so glad this morning um, for everyone that's here in our venue, but I'm also glad for everyone that's watching online. So welcome to everyone who's li- watching this live at the moment. It's so great that we have technology that can take what we, what's happening here around the world. That's so awesome. Guys, we are busy with a series called Change Your Life in Three Easy Steps. Now, change is something that can be really hard, but it can also be easier than you think. Years ago, we, Yolanda and I were still not married, so about 10 years ago, I had a marine aquarium. So now we're living at the coast, so it's easier. If anyone ever had marine fish, saltwater fish, um, and you're living in Cape Town, you can literally go to Two Oceans Aquarium, go and get water from them, and it's so much easier. But when you're living in Joburg, it's a huge mission to keep saltwater fish. It is like a huge job. It's crazy expensive. I was still a student. I was working part-time. I was living with my parents. It was amazing. My money only had to go to my fish, to my motorbike, and to food. And um, I, I used to love this fish. It was so amazing, but it was so expensive. And the thing that kept this whole hobby going was forums on the internet, where people would like talk about their setups, and, and this guy would tell, there was this guy in Montana in Pretoria that built this huge tank of sapphire glasses, white glass. You can see straight through it. It's not like a green tint like normal glass. It was amazing. And it cost him 250,000 rand 10 years ago. 10 years ago, okay. And the guys are just like, keep going with this. And everyone goes bigger. Everyone gets more fish. And then something happens and all the fish die. And it's like 100,000 rand gone. And it was so interesting. We actually saw, I actually tried to help a guy in Centurion whose marriage fell apart, and he actually got divorced at the end of the day because of his marine water aquarium. And, and I started thinking about this. Like, there's no way that hobby would have been so important. There's no way he would have spent so much money. There's no way that he would have changed so many things in his life, in his marriage, in, in the way he was a father, if it wasn't for a forum of people that encouraged him to continue going with this hobby. At the same time, those same people also encouraged him when his marriage fell apart, and and we were there as well, and we tried to help him, and we tried to see if we couldn't get him and his wife back together, but it didn't work. But it's just so interesting to me how much influence people have over over other people. When we are in school, we call it peer pressure. People do the craziest things that they never thought they would do, not because they necessarily wanted to do it, because they, but because they were the group of people who kind of pressured them to do something, and then suddenly you do what you never thought you would do just because someone is pressuring you. And this is the negative part of people in our lives, right? When people kind of guide us to do wrong things. But there's a flip side to this coin. People can also help us, and people can also um, guide us to make right changes in our life. You can change significantly, I believe, when you do it with others. And as we're busy with this series, we said it last week as well. Change is hard, but it's not as hard as you think. Change is hard, but it's not as hard as you think. And I don't know what's in your life at the moment that you need to change. Maybe it's just some eating habits, okay? Maybe it's exercise, but maybe there's some really deep, hard things. Maybe there's some form of addiction in your life that you're struggling with. And when I say addiction, I know everyone is thinking like, yes, drugs and alcohol, right? I'm like, I'm talking about your cell phone. I'm talking about a car that you're rebuilding. I'm talking about your garden. And addiction is anything that we do in order to escape some of the realities of life. 
Maybe there's some significant sin in your life that you're struggling with. Anything that makes you miss the mark that God has for your life. And I'm like, I want to I change this in my life, but it has so much control over me. I'm struggling with it. Maybe you're trying to be a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, a better child, a better friend. I don't know what you need to change in your life, but I know that change is hard. But it doesn't need to be as hard as you think. So in this series... We are talking about the vision of our church, of Prodeo Church. And our vision is simple. It says this. We are about connecting people to life-changing relationships. That's what it's about. We want to see you flourish. We want to see your life change for the better. We want to see you grow because you are connected to significant relationships that will make change easier in your life. And those relationships, we believe, is in a triangle shape. It is up, it's in, and it's out. And last week, we started with this when we said... The struggle to change is hard, it's real, because there's a real struggle within us to choose what we want to do, because inside of us, there's this human nature that says, I want to do what's good for me, I want to do what gives me pleasure at this moment, even though it might hurt someone else, but then we've got the voice of God on the other side that says, no, no, it's not just about you, it's about your neighbor, no, no, it's not just about you, it's about me, and we've got these competing voices in our life often. And we said the first step, if you want to change, you will always struggle to change unless you get to the first step. And that, I believe, is connecting to Jesus. Because Jesus is the only voice, I believe, in this world with so much noise or so much distraction. I believe his voice is the only one that's loud enough to shout above all the noise in the world and to get us from a place where we might feel like we're dead. That's a story we read last week about Lazarus and move us to a place where we're alive. You see, when you want to change, that's where it starts. Start with Jesus because he will take what was in your past and he will wipe that clean and he will give you a fresh start. But here's the thing about change. Here's the thing about change. Change is an amazing thing when we connect with Jesus and things start to change in our life, but it's also a fragile thing. And it is so easy, like, like, almost like a mudslide, when the rain, when waters of this life come, to just kind of wash it away. So we need to build retaining walls to protect ourselves and to keep the change, the good change in our lives, to protect that and to keep that intact. And that is where our second step comes in. We have to build relationships with other people. That's the in part of our vision. So first we need to connect with Jesus, but in order to keep the change going, do not just make it a one Sunday thing where you raise your hand and you said, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna change everything in my life. To keep that change going, to make it a reality in your life, we have to build relationships. And we're gonna read a story today about a man whose life changed super significantly. And a bunch of guys that supported him that was with him through this process of life change. And this story wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for a group of friends. So we'll be reading today from Mark 2, verse 1 to 12. If you've got your Bibles here, you can open to Mark 2. It will also be on the screen. We're not reading on the screen. It says New Living Translation, but we're actually reading from the New International Version. So let's read about some friends um, that helped their friend to experience life change. So Mark 2, verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and Jesus preached the word to them. So just crowds of people drew to Jesus. Some men came, bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. 
Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowering the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law, so that's the religious leaders, okay? That's the, that's the churchy people. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, who does this fellow think, talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive some sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what this was, what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take a mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, he took his mat, he walked out in full view of them all, and this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like that. That's what we're going to read this morning. Guys, we said, what is the first step to change your life? If you cannot walk, if something is keeping you back in life, if you cannot get up on your own, the first step is what? Connect to Jesus. There was no other voice loud enough to get this man off his mat and walking. But we said, what is step two? Step two is to build relationships. And that is, this is what I love about this story. And this story has so many angles. Our, our launch team actually talked about this, um, these couple of verses before we started um, this church. But I see three groups of people in this story. And I want you to see the difference because in your own life, there are different groups of people as well. But the first group of people that I read about here is the crowd. We read that a crowd gathered around Jesus, and they all came to listen to Jesus, and, and it was all good. But then there were religious leaders as well. They were standing around, they also came to Jesus, but they just had an issue with everyone and everything. They want everyone to be like them. And then lastly, we had a couple of men. The Bible don't name them. The Bible don't say how many they were. They just say some men, and then four of them carried this man. But some men, some friends also came to Jesus. And out of the three groups, out of the crowd, out of the people that wanted everyone to be like them, the religious leaders, and out of the group of friends, only one of these three groups experienced true life change. And that's the last group of people. Because I'm, the first lesson I learned from this, and I think this is such a, a vivid reality in the 21st century, the first lesson I learned from this is that there is a difference between a crowd and an authentic community. There's a difference between a crowd and an authentic community. I don't know if you know this, but in the 21st century, we are the most connected generations to have ever lived. And I say generations, because even if you're not a millennial, so that is like 85 and later, or a Generation Z, that's the kids going, growing up now, even if you're still a baby boomer, you are still the most connected generation because you've got telephones, you've got cell phones, you've got internet, you've got social media. We are the most connected generations ever, but what research is showing us is that we are the loneliest generations to have ever lived. On Facebook, I can assure you, you've got more friends than your parents ever thought they would have in their life. But we're the loneliest people ever. You see, we fill life with contacts and crowds. Contacts are all those names that appear on your social media, and they, they named it so appropriately, friends. 
get all these friend requests and you feel so good about yourself because you've got a thousand friends and you feel like, but I'm connected. I've got relationships. Look at my thousand friends. And we fill our lives with contacts and we fill our lives with crowds. What's a crowd? Those are the people that we do fun stuff with. Those are the people that we go and hike Table Mountain with. Those are the people we go to gym with. Those are the people that you work with. There's crowds of people, but there's no deep relationships in these groups. We fill our lives with contacts and crowds, with social media and with groups. But somewhere something is missing, and we're not feeling fulfilled. When we moved to Cape Town a couple of years ago, and we would talk to people about their experience of Cape Town, the mo- and, and you all would know, half of you, probably 80% of you, are not Cape Townians. You probably moved here from Joburg, from Gauteng somewhere, just like me. And the most common complaint I've heard from people is that they cannot make friends in Cape Town. They struggle. They are lonely. And guys, I want to tell you something this morning. I believe that our emotions are often messengers. Our emotions, we just went through mental health week, right? I think our emotions are messengers that are sometimes trying to tell us something. So if you're experiencing emotions of loneliness, I want to tell you, listen to those emotions that are trying to tell you that you might have a crowd in your life, that you might have contacts in your life, but something is missing. You're feeling lonely because you're surrounded by a bunch of faces, but no one really knows you. I'm not saying a crowd is bad, right? This crowd came to hear Jesus. What's bad about that? Nothing. But a crowd is not the same as authentic community. Let me give you an example. Often I think people think that coming to church, and I see this as a crowd. We're still a smaller church, so there's more relationship than in the larger church, right? But often people think coming to a church service, being part of the crowd, listening to the word, that is going to help you to change. But here's the reality. It doesn't. It might spark something in you, and you might be like, whoa, that, I didn't think about it this way, or you know, I want to change. But the reality is crowds don't change people. One of the most common things I hear is people coming out of especially big churches. We've got a lot of them in Gauteng, not so much in Cape Town, but mega churches. And people will say, but I'm just a number. Do you know that you can be a number in a church this size as well? You can just be a number. No one can know your name. They can just be like that guy that always sits in that chair. That's your number. People complain about that. People often say, like, I'm not cared for. I was in hospital. No one came to visit me. If you're part of the crowd and you're a number, I want to tell you that is part of the identity of a crowd. A crowd goes to watch a band. They might be super big fans of whatever band you can think of. Justin Bieber. They call them believers. Yeah. He's got all these fans, like the highest amount of followers on, on, on social media. But none of them actually know him. He doesn't know them. They don't know him. The identity of a crowd is to gather together around a common cause without really connecting with each other or the cause that they came for. And being on church on a Sunday doesn't make you, doesn't bring automatic relationships into your life. It is a good crowd that comes to listen to Jesus, but that is kind of where it stops. It can actually block you from connecting with Jesus. And and now you need to understand me very well. I'm not saying don't come to church because it's going to block you from connecting to Jesus. The Bible is very clear. We should gather together. But if you look at the story, these people brought a man that needed to get to Jesus. And what was the reason that they couldn't get to Jesus? Because he was crippled? No, they found a way around it. Because there was people around Jesus who hated him and wanted to kill him? No. 
The reason they couldn't get to Jesus was because Jesus was surrounded by a crowd of people. There was no one who cared about these people enough to make a way to help this man to come to Jesus. You see, and we can be so much part of a crowd that at the end of the day, we, we don't really connect with each other or with God. Here's the harsh reality. And if you've done our step into faith or step into church class, you would have heard me say this. But research has shown that when you join a church, you've got six weeks to either start serving or to join a community group, a small group. Why those two things? Because when you're serving with other people, you form relationships. You set up with them. You tear down with them. You hang out with them. Those guys at the sound desk behind, they are all friends. Our kids, people, they are all friends. A community group, why? Because you build relationships with people. And here's the reality. If you don't do it in six weeks, all the research show us that you've got about another six weeks left. So after three months, you will just fade away. You're going to start maybe after a year or two, start doing some church hopping again, try to find a place. But if you don't connect in authentic relationships, it's just going to fade away. The crowd can prevent you from connecting to each other. The crowd can prevent you from connecting to God. We need something more than just being a part of a crowd. The people who experienced life change were the people that were willing to push past the crowd to get to Jesus. The people who said it's not enough to be surrounded by a bunch of unfamiliar faces. The people who said it's not enough to sit in church on a Sunday. It is not enough to just have a bunch of people that I go and hike up Table Mountain once in a month. It was the people who said we're going to push past all of the crowds. We're going to push past all of the, of the contacts because we want to build authentic relationships. And I want to tell you today, that is the kind of people we need in our lives. We don't need the religious leaders. We don't need the kind of people who say, like, I want you to be exactly like me. Those were the Pharisees. Those were the, were the religious leaders. They tried to make everyone fit their idea of, of what people should look like. They even wanted Jesus, the Son of God, to fit their picture of what they thought people should be. Those are bad friends. The friends who force you to do things that are not good for you. The friends who force you to do all kinds of stuff that doesn't necessarily need you to Jesus, we don't need them in our lives. Being part of a crowd is cool, but you need authentic friends. The friends who are willing to pick up the stretcher that you are lying on and to carry you to Jesus. The friends who will be there for you for, through thick and thin. The friends that will support you when you're lying in hospital. The friends who will, will help and will go out of the way to connect you with Jesus, even if it means they have to have a hard conversation with you. A person in the crowd will never have a hard conversation with you. They will never challenge you. A true friend will do that. Years ago, when I was still a youth pastor, <clears throat> one of the kids in our church were in a car accident, and, and he, he was not, not serious, but he was in hospital. And, and myself and another friend of, of mine, Carl, we went to visit this dude in hospital. So we said hello, we prayed for him, and as we walked out, Carl walked past his room and there was this girl lying in this bed, like, in all kinds of, like, contraptions. So Carl stops there. He starts talking with, um, with the nurse about this girl. She was, her parents were ambassadors in Sweden or something. I can't remember. She was an architect student. She was engaged to a guy that was a, something impressive as well. And then they were in a car accident. And they were the typical students. They had a lot of friends. They had a lot of nights out. It was all fun. It was all games. They were in an accident. 
the fiancé died, the, husband, the man. She was in hospital and she was in a coma for, if I remember correctly, 20 days. Of all her hundreds of contacts, the so-called friends, only one came to visit her once. We didn't know her. But Carl decided to do what Jesus would have done, and that is he decided to adopt her. And then our youth decided to adopt her. And she was in a wheelchair for so long, and it was so impressive on a Sunday, Carl would show up in his little Corsa, and she would be in the front seat, and all the kids would run, and they would take out the wheelchair, and they would have to carry her out to get her in the wheelchair. And our youth just adopted her. And a couple of months later, we went 10-pin ten- bowling, and they picked her up out of a wheelchair, and they helped her with the ball, and she rolled it. And they literally adopted her as one of their own. And I'm like, where were all the hundreds of people that she hanged out with every single night in her hour of need when she was lying in hospital for 20 days in a coma and when she woke up out of that, where were they? That's a problem when we choose to surround ourselves with a crowd instead of with the authentic community. The guys that experienced this life-changing encounter with the guys who were willing to push past the crowd, who were willing to push past the contacts and connect to significant, life-changing, authentic relationships. You're sitting here today and you're like, Louis, how do I even know if I've got those kind of relationships in my life? It's not that hard. But this is, this is the opposite of what, what we kind of grow up thinking what a relationship should be like. What was the thing that helped these guys to be part? The, not, not the guy on the, on the stretcher. The guys who carried him. The guys who came with him. What was the thing that, that made them, that helped them to be part of this life-changing encounter? One thing, an act of service. They were willing to carry a mat. They were willing to dig through a roof. That is what made them what gave them the opportunity to be part of this life-changing encounter. So if you ask, want to ask me today and you're like, Louis, I don't know if I'm just surrounded by crowds and by groups of people. I want to know, do I have these relationships in my life? I want to tell you, this is the measure. Life-changing relationships will always cost you something. If a relationship has no cost, it could just be another thing that you're consuming. Listen, your shoes, it might have been a bit of money when you bought them, but you don't have to put any emotional effort into it. A crowd of people that you hang out with, you're like, hey guys, what's up? You have a bra every now and again, it's all cool, but it doesn't cost you anything. You see, when Jesus talks about the word love, he almost exclusively uses it as a verb. He's, it's like love is something we do to each other. It's an act of service. When Jesus talks about relationships, And Paul talks about relationships. He says, submit to each other. He's like, do you know what you do if you want to have a healthy relationship? You serve the other person. You carry them on your hands. When Jesus talked about himself, he said, I don't come to you. Be served. He's the king of the world. And he's like, I don't want someone to bring grapes and fan me down with a palm leaf. He said, I came to serve. Jesus washed people's feet. Jesus flipped this whole thing around where we believe that relationships are about how people are meeting my needs. Jesus is like, no, 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 turn it around. Relationships are about how you meet the people in your life, how you meet their needs. It's like, but isn't that draining? No, it's not because you give and if you're in an authentic relationship, they will give back. You don't have to keep track. You don't have to measure it. That's a good relationship. 
Don't just be a consumer of, of people. Have real relationships. Social media, crowds, all of those things are part of a of consumer-driven market. Social media literally exists because of consumerism. Literally. Don't let that be your only relationship in your life. It's a poor investment and will give you a poor return. It's that simple. It's a bad investment. You can give some time to crowds. We have to. But it's, you don't put all your money in the bad investment. In the one with little growth, you put a little bit of your money there. You put most of your money in the blue chips. The blue chips investment. So let's talk about those blue chip investments. Authentic relationships take big investment, but they have big returns. A relationship is real if it costs you something. It cost these guys something to be in a relationship with this man on the stretcher. They had to carry him to Jesus. They couldn't get to Jesus, so they had to climb onto a roof. They couldn't get through the roof because there's no skylight, there's no door. So they had to break through mud. They had to break through branches. And guess what? They had to dig through the manure to get this man to Jesus. It took something of them. It took a sacrifice. They had to make a huge investment. But at the end of the day, because they made an investment, they got something back as well. Guys, I want to tell you, you need to have those kind of relationships in your life. And I believe the church is one of the most amazing places to build them. Because there's nowhere else in the world where people are going to tell you it's more about the person sitting next to you than it is about you. The church, Jesus is the only one who will ever tell you that. This is the place where you need to build those kind of relationships. Why? Because God did not make you to live isolated and alone. Listen to your emotions. If they're telling you you're lonely, it's probably because you're lonely. Build some authentic relationships. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. And then Paul uses this amazing example. He's like, I know you guys are too dumb to understand this. So he's like, let me dumb it down. Okay, not you, the, the church back then. They, they weren't literate. So, um, so he said, like, one is like a finger. One is like the hand, one is like an arm, one is like an eye, one is like an ear, one is like a mouth. It's like every part of the body needs to function together to make a body work. You see, we're not, we're not good on our own. We function the best. We're, we're better when we're together. That's when we really function. And this morning when you walked in here, you got a puzzle piece. Do you guys still have it with you? Quickly put your puzzle piece in the air if you've got it with you. Let me see if you've got your puzzle pieces. I believe we fit together like puzzle pieces. So what you see there is a random white piece of pu- a puzzle piece with, with a random line on it. It doesn't mean a lot, right? But when you go out of this service, on that table at the back, there's going to be a puzzle that's semi-assembled. And you're going to fit your puzzle pieces into that. And once we start building it together, we see a map unfolding of a train network. And that is how the church of Jesus, we like these puzzle pieces fitting together, and we make a better picture when we are together than when we're on our own. I want to tell you today, you need your friends. You need authentic community because there's going to come a day when you won't be strong enough to stand on your own. And you might be like, but I'm a strong man. 
We might be like, like, I'm a tough lady. I don't buckle easily. The Bible says even a young man in his prime also grows tired and weary. There's going to be a day when you will be like the man on the mat where you cannot get up anymore. Because of something you cannot change in your life or because of something that's, that, that you lost. I don't know what's going to happen, but this is the reality of the world we live in. We live in a broken world and something is going to cross your path that's going to prevent you from one day getting up. And this is why relationships are so important. Because when we are not strong enough, we need the faith of our friends to rely on. Do you know what's so beautiful to me about this story? These guys not only carried this man to this house. They not only carried him with this act of service onto the roof. They not only broke through all this stuff to get this man to Jesus. But we read this amazing sentence. When Jesus saw whose faith? We read when Jesus saw their faith. You know what I think why Jesus said this? Because normally Jesus told people that he healed. He said this, your faith has saved you. I think this man on the mat didn't have enough left to believe that Jesus could do this miracle. Because it's one of the only times where we read that their faith was the thing that Jesus responded to. When you are not strong enough to get up on your own, when you're not strong enough to keep your arms up, when you're not strong enough to give the next steps, when you have real friends in your life, you can fall back on their faith. They are the ones who will keep you accountable. They are the ones who will pick you up. They are the ones who will, will encourage you to give a next step forward. Jesus saw their faith and he responded to it. In Romans, Paul writes about this. He writes about a gift that he wanted to bring the church. Can you hear about that? Hear, hear this. Romans 1 verse 11. He says, Paul says, man, I long to see you guys. He says, I long to see you so much. Why? So that I may impart to you a spiritual gift to make you strong. He's like, I want to see you because I'm going to give you something that will make you strong. It's like, what is that, a protein shake? Is no. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. It's like, I'm coming to you and I'm bringing you something that's going to make you strong. It's, it's my faith. And I'm coming to you and you're going to give me something that's going to make me strong. And it says, that's your faith. You see, when we are together, we're stronger when we're together. When we are together, we share our faith with each other and we grow. And the change that Jesus started in our life gets the retaining walls to keep it going. And suddenly it's not that hard because you've got people carrying you along. You've got people that's rooting for you, people that's in your corner, people that will be there through thick and thin. And you've got the retaining walls that will keep the change going. If you want to go fast, go alone. It's easy to make a decision for Jesus and walk out of here today and never see us again. Your change won't be sustainable. If you want to go far, go together. These guys went together. And not only did the life of this man on the mat change, his life changed, guys. He couldn't walk and suddenly he walked out of there. There was no wheelchairs, okay? He was lying on a mat. That was his future. He was broken. He was without hope. And Jesus changed everything. But the guys who carried him along, they also got something. 
They experienced the life change just so much as he did. Just as much. And they got that fiery passion that just started spreading like a wildfire. Because we read at the end of this, this miracle, this one man that was healed amazed everyone. And they all started praising God. You know why churches that start growing just tends to keep growing and starts to go out of control? Because when we see the life change of other people, it, it sparks a fire inside of us. We become passionate about something we see that's flourishing. And when Jesus starts changing lives, and I am part of that journey, not just because he changed mine, but because every week he's changing another life. Every week I see a miracle before my eyes. It sparks this passion that I just want to share with everyone else. That's literally what happened here. So I want to tell you today, life change is hard, but it's not as hard as you think. We are better when we're together. You're not as strong as you think on your own. You can't go as far as you think on your own. Don't wait till the day that you're lying on a mat and you've got no one to carry you. Make a decision. If you want to experience life change, to connect with Jesus and to build authentic relationships. And we will go out of our way to help make that a reality for you. It makes life change easier. It makes life change lasting, and it makes it fun. Let's do this together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we don't have to go through life alone. Thank you that we don't have to get up on our own when we're weak. Thank you that you have placed people in our lives that we can build relationships with that will help us when we can't get up on our own. People on whose faith we can fall back on when we don't have enough of our own. I pray this morning, God, that you, would, that you would raise up these relationships in our church, upwards, inwards, and outwards, and we will connect with Jesus, that we would build a thing to community, and that it would leave our lives changed forever. Pray in your name alone. Amen.